0: You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's positive choice. And yes, it is Q&A with Samuel. Samuel is running just a teeny bit late. So while we're waiting, we're just going to continue to listen to some great music. Um, And here's Emily Faith with This Is Faith.
1: It's a moment. It is only just a moment. It's just a minute, it's forever when you're in it All the hopelessness you're feeling, doesn't make you who you are Hear me out, hear what I have to say This is pause before the music plays This is just a sentence in the story that you write Just the dark before you see first to say it, yeah you thought you'd never make it, but you're breathing and alive, in the madness, I know you never once imagined, you would find yourself standing, stronger on the other side. You see the morning light This is just a count of ten
0: Well, that's the first time I've heard that song. That's a lovely song. Hello, Samuel. Hello, how are you going? Good, good to see you in the studio. I
2: am indeed in studio. And uh, I was, I was going to say uh, to our beloved, lovely listeners that uh, my sincere apologies, I'm running like a headless chook. <laughs> but here we are uh, and uh, ready to go.
0: Yeah, ready to go. Now, just for uh, our listeners, if you would like to. Uh, watch Samuel live. You can go to um, Samuel's Facebook page, Samuel Chiziketti, and uh, and you will see <laughs> you will see his beautiful face live, <laughs> and you will get some of the behind the scenes stuff. So um, if you're interested in that and uh, and you want to have a bit of interaction while we're on air, then uh, please go to Samuel's Facebook page.
2: And I appreciate the leaders' kind words about my looks. Uh, praise Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Well, even though you're running running, like you're looking stupendous. <laughs> as always <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now we were uh, we were we, we shared with everybody last week um, yes. the uh, the work that you have been doing for the last nine months in the Congo. You've yes. just uh, come back. You've been home a couple of weeks, two, yes. three weeks. Yes. And uh, bedding back into um, the cold in Bendigo. Yes. <laughs> which,
2: yes.
0: which I know l- you love. Yeah. It
2: is one of my favourite things. No, no, no I, You are a
0: frog, <laughs> so it's no good at all. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was, sure. You know, you got to remember I was born in tropical paradise mm-hmm. and then I came to Winter Wonderland. You know, it's uh,
0: <laughs> both great places to be, but Fantastic. it just depends. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, uh, so um, so we did discuss that uh, for the last couple of weeks. So we thought we might uh, tackle something that uh, we've been learning about, or yes. we've, we've been you've been teaching about at the church. Yes, and we might do that as a series, and that is the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, um, and uh, we've had some really terrific. Um, uh, teaching on that, and I know that uh, different churches, uh, some some, like to talk about the gifts of the spirit and like to experience them and teach about them, and others uh, leave them alone a bit. So there's yes. a, there's a bit of um, discussion that can be had around things, and yes. also looking at the maybe the dangers in people using some of these things falsely. Yes. Um. So we are looking at one Corinthians twelve. Is that right?
2: Yes. We we have. Um, the the uh, you know the gifts of the spirit to look at and the, uh, what, what more what best text is there when you're talking about the gifts of the spirit. Um, than to look at First Corinthians uh, 12. So mm. I think that's the text we're going to look at. Uh, sh- I'm sure you have your Bible already open right there, right, ready to go? I do have one. Let's do that. Funny about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so where would you like me to start?
2: Well, actually, yeah, if you start from the first verse, um, and then we can run all the way to, at least for the sake of uh, honouring God's word, uh, read all the way to verse 11, I think, and that should be fine.
0: Okay. (coughs) So I'm actually using the ERV, which is the Studio Bible here, and it's actually quite a nice uh, reading of the Scripture. So we are, if for those that are listening who would like to join us, we are reading from 1 Corinthians 12.
2: Now, Can can you just uh, give our listeners the the acronym ERV stands for...
0: I don't know. Why do I not know? I have to look at it at the front. Samuel.
2: Easy
0: to read version. There you go. (laughs)
3: All
0: right. So this is starting at verse one. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. You remember the lives you lived before you were believers. Yes. You let yourselves be influenced and led away to worship idols, things that have no life. So I tell you that no one who is speaking with the help of God's Spirit says, Jesus be cursed. Mm. And no one can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but they are all from the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but we serve the same Lord. Mm. And there are different ways that God works in people, but it is the same God who works in all of us to do everything. Mm. Something from the spirit can be seen in each person. The spirit gives this to each one to help others. The spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom and the same spirit gives another person the ability to speak with knowledge. The same spirit gives faith to one person and to another he gives gifts of healing. The spirit gives to one person the power to do miracles and to another the ability to prophesy and to another the ability to judge what is from the spirit and what is not. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak in different kinds of languages and to another the ability to interpret those languages. One Spirit, the same Spirit, does all these things. The Spirit decides what to give each one.
3: Mm.
2: Um, very interesting text uh, <coughs> we're looking at. Now, this is for, for the first, uh, first, first time, but often we, we answer the uh, listeners' questions. And, and, and there is here a fundamental question about, um, you know, a fundamental question about the gift of the Spirit. And it's been, uh, it's been quite a, a significant one, uh, this, this question here, because of the different ways uh, across the uh, Christian fold, uh, as you were pointing out in your introductory note, uh that the people look at people look at these particular gifts uh mm-hmm. there is one fold that thinks that these gifts no longer uh, are are no longer operational, and so there will be those who thinks that these must have ceased and they will have a you know an argument for the secessionist point of view. Um, which I'm not going to take on uh, today. Uh, I may just mention one thing or two to just make the point that, you know, Apostle Paul writing uh, this particular text to the Corinthian, unless one assumes uh, that um, it is after this text is written, I think around about 55 AD, uh, that uh, most of the secessionist uh, view that I, I have at least or heard and reviewed. Uh, seems to assume that once the scriptural text was compiled, uh, that's the first line of argument, as once the scriptural text was compiled, then uh, that's, you know, we now we know in part, but when that which is perfect comes, and mm. so they assume the word of God is perfect. And so once the canon of Scripture was completed, then that's the end of these ex- ex- the exercise of these gifts. Now it's a really tough uh, call to make because you You know, you cannot hermeneutically be able to say that when Paul was writing that he was referring to the completion of the canon of Scripture. So, you Mm. you know, when you're reading your biblical text, you have to be able to answer one question. What did the author meant to communicate? What did he communicate? And how did uh, the audience understand it? So it's not as though Paul was saying to uh, the Corinthians, hey, look, I'm writing this to you, but I know that at some point the canon of Scripture will be completed. He wouldn't really know (laughs) that, would he? (laughs) So very tough argument to make um, Mm. and very, very interesting assumption. Number two, uh, the second argument is like, well, but for some period of time there was some quiet uh, in the history of the church. We didn't see uh, these things happening, and therefore they must have ceased you know, sort of observe things after the fact kind of argument. Uh, You know, well, I saw this not happening, therefore, you know, they must have ceased. Well, that's really not a a good argument to make, uh, given what the Scripture teaches on this. Uh, For example, Apostle Paul seems to be encouraging the Corinthians to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. Mm. And uh, so, why would, uh, you know, any, you know, know, seizing or at least non-observation of it happening, be therefore a biblical argument for them having seized. So you can you can make an argument outside scripture that well, okay, we well maybe we didn't see them uh, operational because people didn't pursue them. Uh, somebody can make that particular case. i like to sort of take a um, uh, let's say you know, uh, let, let, let's say if I was sent to preach the gospel somewhere in a, in a particular area where I didn't have any contact with anyone else, and I went there and I preached the gospel for years and years and years, and nobody ever gave their life to Christ during all the time of my preaching. And so I didn't have any testimony from anywhere else that basically these things may still be happening. And so I come to a conclusion that God has seized uh, yes saving people, people through mm. the preaching of the gospel mm. you know I would say even if we preach the gospel until you know uh, uh, you know to the whole world and no one saw any f- soul giving their life to Christ as long as Christ hasn't come back, we still believe to the word of scripture that says, go and preach the gospel mm. so we may have the question to why God in his sovereignty hasn't allowed this we can ask that but concluding that because we haven't seen it, our experience therefore determines the interpretation of God's word, I think it's a very dangerous uh, way of arguing. Scripture yeah. must speak for itself. Uh, scripture is sufficient. And Scripture must be interpreted through the lines of scriptures. Mm. Not through some other person's experience. I don't mind whether it is uh, through the lens of millions of people' experience. So it's not people's experience mm. that determines the validity of scripture. So that that is from uh, from you know by standpoint, uh, those those two ways that has been argued about. So okay, put that aside. There's a second line of those who don't want to approach these gifts. Uh, they say, well, we know scripture teaches that, but there has been a lot of abuses. Therefore. Yes. You know, just to avoid just all the, you know, the messiness of what it creates, mm. we'd rather stay away from these. Yeah. Now, it sounds really wise. It is. It sounds wise. You know, you know, action reaction. You saw. Okay. Well, abuse, and then we uh, we, we pull back. We try to, but we can't pull back in contravention to what Scripture teaches mm. when Scripture that we ought to pursue these gifts. Now, is it true that people will do messy stuff? Yes. Is it true that people, even in, let's say, ministry leadership, church governance, you know, are we able to say today that people who are being in pastoral ministries don't do messes, uh, that people don't, you know, hear things that are horrifying to hear, Uh, done by people who are in the ministry, yes. But do we say, therefore, let us everybody walk away from ministry, don't do it? There are too much mess in there. I think, reasonably, uh, you don't walk away from something that is good just because there were some few abuses. Otherwise, you wouldn't preach the gospel either because so many people
0: have been misrepresenting the gospel over the ages as well. That's exactly right.
2: I like to be a reasonable person. Yeah. Uh, for example, let's say, I'm sure if we saw throughout Australia, there is somebody somewhere who's thinking about, you know, producing some fake Australian dollars. I mean, the US dollars is the most, <coughs> pardon me, uh, most, you know, uh, produced false notes around the world because of the way the US dollars is consumed. Mm. The consumption of US dollars is very hard. But so do we go, well, since there are false dollars out there, Therefore, just stay away from the dollar. Don't touch it. Don't mm. touch it. So I think that that argument does do a disservice not only to what Scripture teaches, but also to the children of God to whom God has actually put as a provision these gifts. My advice in that sense would be, how about we do what banks do? When they get somebody to, try to train them how to handle yeah. the cash, they teach them the right thing mm. over and over and over again. So that when you know the right thing, you come across the false false thing, you can spot it just like that, Mm. quick and easy. Mm. Instead of focusing on the false, how about we teach the true one? How about we focus on what is the proper way to understand these gifts and the proper way to use them? Now, so uh, it seems like you had a thought.
0: That's all right, it's gone.
2: And so the third side is those who embrace these gifts fully Mm. and they do the embracing of the gifts like the Corinthians did. However, which is probably a corollary to what I said earlier, they use these gifts in an ignorant, unknowing way. And so and they end up abusing the gifts. And because of those abuses, then you get the second position I described. You know, people can say, but look at these people. They abuse it. They embrace it, but they abuse it. And so that is the place, interesting enough, where Apostle Paul starts this particular chapter.
0: So the Corinthians would have had some sort of pagan religion in that day too. So they may... I'm just sort of thinking uh, they may have sort of taken some of that knowledge into what was happening and and trying to see if it blends together, and uh, and of course you can't blend black and white. Can yeah. you? Well, you can. It becomes grey. So, <laughs> so, but it is it is then grey, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, it can be quite confusing when uh, when people don't fully understand
2: what yeah, it looks like. That that's exactly right. Look, uh, you know, Apostle Paul actually make that point if you you know anyone can can do this uh, i i recommend the intro to uh the book of first Corinthians. you can find online esv has got a very good intro uh, you know, English Standard Version has uh, got a very in- good intro to the uh, First Corinthian. Or you can go to NIV. NIV has got a good in- intro to uh, to First Corinthian. Uh, it gives you an overview, the the, uh, the author, the audience, the city of Corinth, the times. You know, this, these things are very first steps of your hermeneutical inquiry. Yes. So I think that, as I've always said, um, one of my heroes, R.C. Sproul, used to say, Every believer is a theologian. The question is, how good or how bad a theologian are you? Mm-hmm. If you're going to read this Bible, if you're going to b- build your life on it, at least do the due diligence to understand the people who wrote it, the people to whom it was written. Remember, the Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're, you're not Galatian. You're not Roman. I mean, you're, uh, I'm mean, i not a Corinthian. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a Thessalonian. So while this Word of God is of tremendous benefit to all of us, God used the author of this text to write to particular audience in particular languages. W- the audience had particular cultures. They had number of issues they were confronting. That sometimes, for example, you notice that Paul's letters... I think, apart from the uh, epistle to the Romans, which was an an excursus of Christian uh, doctrine because he was writing to a church he'd never met before. He'd heard about the church in Rome, but he'd never gone there to visit them. So he he actually taught just Christian doctrine. Mm. But most of the rest of his letters, he was responding to things that were being reported to him or the questions that these churches asked. For example, the first epistle to the Corinthian is Apostle Paul answering the questions and resolving the issues of the things that he had heard and some of which were terribly bad things that were happening in, in Corinth. Church, yeah. So we get to be beneficiary. I thank God for first for the Corinthians. Uh, I'll get to that in a moment. The messiness he brought for us a tremendous benefit of knowing how not to do things. things yeah. So that's where you started it. That's where we're going to start uh, with the reading. Uh, but, you know, as it is always, it's always good to catch your breath.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, we will. <laughs> uh, and we're going to um, listen to The Saga with Fearless.
3: together And you're the only one who doesn't feel the same
0: You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And this is Q&A with Samuel, and we are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Samuel, you were doing uh, a bit of a background into um, who Paul was writing to and yes. their situation and and uh, things around that. Yes. Um, and that, that one Corinthians was, um, was really around a whole lot of questions that the church had given him and he was answering those questions yes. as he was um, uh, going through the different aspects of preaching the gospel and, and what you can expect with the Holy Spirit and everything else. Yes.
2: Now, uh, very interesting because, you know, I remember I was picking up from the, you know, some of uh, the interactive notes uh, that you made there about the the, the paganism in Corinth. Mm. and And I was... You know, in my previous uh, remarks, I was talking about the fact that the Corinthians uh, were ignorant uh, about the gifts that they'd been given. And and that's where Apostle Paul starts. Now, I'm just going to go back and I'm reading, at least I'm reading from King James Version here. And, you know, I'll navigate between uh, different versions. But, you know, just be patient as we start to look at these things now. Here is how the Apostle starts this particular text. Verse 1. I, I want you to see that the 1 Corinthians, you don't just read this chapter in isolation. So it's the way these letters were written, they did not have chapter and verses. No. Okay? Chapter and verses in Scripture were, uh, you know, uh, introduced somewhere around 1500 uh, AD. So very recently. Very recently. I mean, in in terms of, if you look from the time of Jesus uh, to where we are, it was not even right in the middle. No, no. In the 1500s, that's when uh, the chapters and verses, uh, the Bible was divided in chapters and verses, just so that it will help the readers to be able to navigate the text. But these are scrolls. Mm. It is a letter. So there will be a follow-through of ideas And sometimes the paragraphs may have different ideas, which you can see and delineate different ideas. But often the author will say something in a later chapter, knowing that they will be understood in light of things that he already said in the previous chapters or in the previous lines that he'd written. So when you read your Bible, I'd like to advise every believer, don't do that. Oh, I just read that verse. You know, I read that's part B of that verse, and I, I preach from part B of that verse, okay? Uh, you know, one of my, me- my mentors um, says, don't ever read a Bible verse. Mm. It doesn't mean don't read your Bible. It just means read, read the it in context. context. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Context, context, context is the king. So Apostle Paul starts here to say now as though... I've come all this way mm-hmm. and I'll sort of be doing that back and forth as we as we, we start to look at these things. Uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, about spiritual gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, brothers, that includes sisters, it was in a culture where it was not when he said brothers, he did basically leave the sisters out. Mm-hmm. Uh, brothers, I would not have you be ignorant. I don't want you to stay ignorant about this. And so, uh, this makes the point that the apostle judges that the Corinthians are ignorant about the gifts. Mm. But he's not saying that they did not have or exercise the gift. Yeah. Because otherwise he wouldn't be teaching them and then correcting hey, things must be done in order. Mm. They were exercising the gifts, but they were ignorant yeah. about it. Yeah. It starts for me that's the f- I mean that's the place to start.
3: Mm.
2: One can have something and even use it, but be ignorant about it. And often, not knowing how to properly use something, ends up in abnormal use. Normal use, mm-hmm. abnormal use. That's where we get the word abuse from. Just, yeah. just you, you cut the normal, normal. ab, use. Abuse. And the abuse of something is when um, I've got some of our listeners from the US just (laughs) dropping in to say hi. Um, So, because they were ignorant, even though they had the gifts, you can see the reason why they were all sorts of mayhem happening in the Corinthian church. Remember, when you go to read, I'm not doing the introduction to, Corinth, to First Corinthians with you because I know everybody, Yes, if you really love Scripture and you love this program, I would like to encourage you, go and just simply find Intro to Corinthians. if you have any Bible study Bible you have, or online, find mm. ESV, NIV, those are the two I recommend, but there's more.
0: That's our listeners' homework at the moment. Yes. Seeing we're going to be talking about this for a few That's weeks.
2: exactly right. Yep. So that, you know, when we talk about it, you can go, oh, yeah, 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 I'd read that. Yeah, 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 I know this. So it says that the Corinthian church was one of the most gifted church among the churches that the apostle Paul had built. Mm -hmm. And so it was very gifted and it was prolific in the use of the spiritual gifts. And however, it was an ignorant church. Mm -hmm. And. Let me. Sometimes it's good to, to to give some examples. I'd like to do that often because it makes a point. When I was in, uh, you know, let me actually start start with it, with the point that the spiritual gifts. The word gift, th- it means something you have been given. It seems obvious, yeah. Uh, but it must be emphasized: a gift is not something you worked for; mm. otherwise, it would not be a gift. It's not something you earned; it would not be a gift. And so it is an unmerited, a gift is like it is charis, where we get charisma, charismata. You know, charis, Mm. charisma, charismata. Uh, The gifts is a favor, an unmerited favor, grace, if you will. And so the person who gives you the gifts may give you a gift that is way above your head. Okay, mm-hmm. you can receive a gift that is way above your head, and the fact that you have that gift, it's way above your head. I mean, I, here, I am. Like, somebody can, you know, give me a, a very complex piece of equipment. Now, the fact that I own it doesn't mean that I know how to
0: use it. How to use it? Yeah. Have you got the manual?
2: <laughs> That's the thing. You've yeah. got to get the manual, yeah. and you've got to start reading it. I like to give example when I was in the Congo. Uh, you know, we bought a, a, a car. It was a a, a Mercedes ML. 270, just to, you know, uh, move around. we have done some savings, so when we get there, at least we've got a way to move around. Now, whenever the car had a problem, I used to go take it to the mechanic. And the guys that were actually looking after my car were young folks. Mm. They had a great deal of knowledge about how to fix this thing. I, who owned it, had no clue. (laughs) Like, the light comes on into them, like, ooh, what Uh is that I have? I owned the car, but I did not know about how to fix it. What's the point I'm making? Even when I owned the thing, I still did not know how to properly fix it. I Mm -hmm. knew how to drive it, but the guys that fixed my car, they knew how to fix it. But none of them, I asked them, have you ever owned this car, a car like this? No. I mean, because it's an expensive car. Mm. So I mean, expensive in Congo context. Not, not yeah. don't think ML in Congo uh, in Australian context. Would yeah, you didn't be way pay. You expensive.
0: didn't pay a hundred thousand
2: no, dollars. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Not not even any, anywhere close. Even a,
3: yeah.
2: So uh, I'm trying to make sense that if somebody owns something, may not know all the ins and out about it are much more somebody's been given the thing yeah. if I you know I, I gave my son something to operate uh, that I've purchased he may not not to use it and he needs to be helped to understand how to use it. So mm. the church in Corinth had received the gifts from the Spirit of God, but they did not know how to use it. Often, when you get something, especially for those like me, I don't know. You may be different. Most men are like this; they don't read the, the manual. <laughs>
0: manual. <laughs> they go back to. They go to that later when they can't figure it exactly.
2: out. Exactly. <laughs> or oh, they ask their wives. You know, oh, darling, maybe. do you know how? Um, And Melissa always say, well, did you read the manual? Yes. Ah, she's very wise in that sense. I'm like, no, I thought it would be easy to figure out. Why am I saying that? Because I'm going with my prior knowledge of whatever realm... Maybe I've seen something similar. I've seen something that looks like this, or I'm a bit clever. I can just work it out, men tells themselves. So Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, I don't want you to be ignorant. Remember when you were pagans, mm. okay? Yeah. You used to worship mute idols. And so since these idols were mute, they didn't teach you really properly about themselves, did they? No. You had to make it up as you went. And you had to depend on some of the priests of these idols to make it up as they went. And so here now you're in the kingdom of God. You're not worshiping a mute idol. Like this. The gift of the, the, the spirit who gives it to you. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's a person. He talks. He teaches. And so don't act with his gifts like the way you used to act. When you were in your paganistic worldview, mm. you see, because Corinth, as much as that particular Greek word uh, "world" at the time, was permeated by all sorts of, you know, um, you know, idol worship of all sorts. For example, you can, uh, you know, if you read through the record of history, you can find uh, that there were particular, um, you know, religions that were, uh, you know. Quite prominent in in the Corinthian uh, context, uh, there's the Dionysian uh, religion. Uh, they were, for example, uh, the uh, you know Apollo's religion in uh, in in the Corinthian context, and many more. And I wanted to see most of these within the Greek Empire. They were not isolated cultures; they exchanged their you know because of the trouble, especially because of the Romans. You know, Roman roads had connected this empire like it was never had never been connected before. Yeah, yeah. So you'll find some of the beliefs that used to be in Ephesus go all the way to Corinth. And and you can sort of relate these areas in terms of, of all these paganistic beliefs. So Apostle Paul is saying to them, Hey, when you were pagans, you were ignorant and you had to work it out as you weren't. And this is not the same when you are in the kingdom of God right now. Mm-hmm. So as we keep uh, we keep reading it, it said. Uh, actually, King James is really good. You know that you were Gentiles, pagan, carried away unto these dumb mm-hmm. idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus a curse, anathema. Or that no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Mm. So he's saying, if you're led by the Spirit of God, well, it's okay, you can make messes, but you will not be intentionally saying Jesus is anathema. Anybody who says that, who pretends to have the Spirit of God, no, does not, because the Spirit of God does not blaspheme. Mm. Okay? Now, so, verse 4, Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. We want to establish that here... The reason for establishing the same spirit, it was to avoid what would always happen, which happened in the realm of the Corinthians, the competition, who's the greatest, who's greater, which gift is better, who must be the most important. It happened like that within the Corinthians strata of social relations. For example, if I can bring you just a little bit earlier, 1 Corinthians 11, when the Apostle Paul is rebuking them about the use of the Lord's Supper, he said, yes, you people, when you come, those who have more, much more means, sit in the corner there with their wine and eat by themselves, and the poor are sitting there, left there to eat. Like, don't you have houses to behave that way? Mm. Because, you know, the rich and the poor, the divide. And so you, you can see the Corinthian church was quite an interesting bunch. Mm. And so he said, hey, the same Spirit gives these gifts, He owns them and he gives them to you. and therefore there's different difference of administration, but the same Lord. And you know some the person says different ministry. Mm. So the Holy Spirit gives a gift, but the ministration of the gift, the serving with the gift is the work of Christ. It's the work of Christ, the serving with, of, with the gift. But it is the giving of the gifts is the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to uh, I'll open that in in, in a couple of seconds. And it said there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who works in all. So the model by which the, this gift must be used is Christ. Yeah. The giver of the gift is the Spirit, and the fruit, the the working, the power, what the result of what the gifts do it's the work of God. Mm. And I find here basically as in the Pauline tradition is really establishing the work of the triune God in this particular section. Mm. The Spirit gives the gifts, the working of the gift, the operation, the, manif- the 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 ministration of the gifts is the work of Christ and the Result of what you see in the gift is the work of God, is the one who works all in all. Yeah, so what do we get from there? So, when you have the gift, you appreciate God gave me the Holy Spirit gave me this gift. But when you're ministering with it, the only model so far, the only model that the apostles had, they've never seen the Holy Spirit. In human form, operating and ministering, serving people. They'd never seen that. Mm. The only one they had seen serving people while being filled with the Holy Ghost. Was Jesus. He's Jesus. Yeah. So you have the gift from the Spirit. You minister with it to express Christ. The model of the expression of your gift must be Jesus. Yeah. If he's not the model, you've missed the boat. Yeah. And at the end, when you see the result, remember God did that. Mm. And I think that's a thought to hold.
0: It is a thought to hold. And while we're holding on to that thought, we'll have uh, we'll listen to Bradley Bridges with Holy Spirit Burn, which I'm hoping is quite appropriate for at this particular moment. <laughs>
4: All through the desert, all through the night, there's a love that holds me. I can't deny. And I can feel your presence here in this place. My heart says, yes, Lord, come out your way. Oh, Holy Spirit, burn, burn, burn inside of me. Holy Spirit, fire. Fire, fire, burn so brightly Well, I can feel you and it's blowing To come set me free Holy Spirit, burn, burn, burn inside me Oh, I can hear your voice A soft, soft whisper Of peace, hope, and joy Abide in me My words in you I'll give you life And everything that is true Holy Spirit, burn, burn Burn inside of me Holy Spirit, fire, fire Burn so bright Well I can feel your wind It's blowing Come set me free Holy Spirit burn 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 inside me.
0: There you go. It was an appropriate song. Holy Spirit, burn inside of me. Exactly. You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, mm. Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit.
2: Mm. Mm. And so we, we had, uh, you know, we were holding on to the thoughts that you've got the, the contribution of the Godhead here. Yep. You know, the Holy Spirit gives, but the model of service with the gifts, if anybody carries a gift of the Spirit... That they serve others with. I'm going to read, uh, you know, this next verse makes that point that mm-hmm. um, as they do it, it is the me, the I that comes through, then that is not a proper use of the gifts of the spirit. Yes. Okay. The or, or use of the gift of the spirit must have through its expression the rhythm. And the model through which it is being ministered or being used to minister to others must be the model of Christ. And we have plenty of it. Like when it comes to how Christ served, we have plenty. Remember, the entire goal of the Christian enterprise is so that we may attain the perfect image of the Son of God. And, and this goes without saying, whether it is the ministry, whether pastoral ministry or whatever else ministry you may have uh, in the church, whatever you do, if what you do does not have for fundamental model, the heart of Christ Jesus, mm. if anything at all. You know, if it, it's the expression of your own personal insecurity, if it's the expression of your personal your your own self worth, I do this so that they may see that I am some important person. I do this so that others may come to accept me. I do this so that even though I've failed in other things, I can feel good about me because I'm a good ear. When and this is a question of motives. Every single person need to check because once your motives is not right. Your actions won't be right, and Mm. therefore, you may just bring disrepute to the name of Christ. So, this is why Apostle Paul is saying, when you have used the gifts, it must be the only moral. Like, follow me as I follow Christ. He he, 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 he is very clear about that. It didn't just mean in morality. Because most of our, sometimes most of our preaching in churches these days have become moralistic, you know. You know, it's okay. Christ taught morals. And when Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, he didn't just simply say, follow me as I do good things and da-da-da. My modeling of discipleship, my modeling of service, my modeling of, you know, using the gifts and so on and so forth. Christ is the model. I cannot emphasize this enough if you are part of the Pentecostal church. Uh, you know, the you know pursue the gifts of the spirit and every time you serve with his gifts and you don't ask yourself the question, as I'm serving, is this Christ coming through? if it is not really the model of the service that Christ provided i would i would advise you to go back and study Christ and study Jesus ways of operating and you find that not only the grace of Christ and the love of Christ throughout his ministration even when he spoke the truth he spoke it with grace mm. You know, Apostle Paul has got this uh, uh, advice to the Colossians, says let your word be seasoned, like with, with salt, right? Mm. So that you may know how to answer each one. So that we must always be seasoned with grace. And you have, and, and I'll, I'll show you why, you know, Paul starts with particular gifts uh, that are quite interesting. I'll get to that in a moment. Now, I, I don't mean to say that I was with the apostle, and th- this is why he started with these ones. But I, I am intrigued by the fact that he started with particular gifts mm. uh, in this list here. And so, and here is uh, ver- the next verse uh, that uh, we're going to look at, uh, which is verse seven. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man for common good. Mm. You see, he has used the word gift of the spirit and is interchangeably now use the manifestation of the spirit. So, The gift of the Spirit is a manifestation of the Spirit. Remember, the gift is the gift of the Spirit. He has given it to the one who has received it. But as it is being exercised, it is the manifestation of the work of the Spirit. Why? Because it is possible... For there to be some other manifestation that is not the manifestation of the spirit. Mm. And because it's a manifestation of the spirit, you've got to, this way we will get to the discernment part. When we get to the discernment, you want to see: is this a manifestation of the spirit of God? Is this the manifestation of a human spirit? Is it the manifestation of a demon? Is this manifestation of, you know, uh, your what you know, a religious spirit? What what kind of manifestation are we dealing with right here? And so very, very I- important there for us to remember. Just, just stay with me there for a second. And so, that is something that needs need to be borne in mind. It is a manifestation of the spirit. So, in other words, it must be the work of the spirit, mm. by the spirit, and manifesting the spirit, being used with the model of Christ. And the end result is God who does it. Mm. Yep. That will give you a tremendous deal of humility right there. Yeah. Now, let's go to his list of the gifts. And that's probably where, as we start to answer this question, that's as far as we're going to be going. Now, there are at least nine gifts uh, of the Spirit that the Apostle is mentioning here. Uh, let's go to those uh, from verse 8. Forty-one one is given by the spirit word of wisdom word of wisdom, that's the first one, to another word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of Spirit, to another diverse kind of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works worketh that one and the same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. I was reading from King James. So yeah. I was sometimes, somehow uh, without realizing, you know, contemporizing the, the reading, but I you know, wanted to sort of read, you know, the text as it is. Now, so we have about we have ne- nine gifts here that the apostle highlights within this text. Mm. Now, uh, there is a broad um, category, at least Dividing within the Christian fold uh, in terms of those who have looked at these gifts. And there could be a bit of little diversity, but generally uh, there's at least three categories that can be pulled from these gifts so we can categorize them. And I'm going to give you these categories uh, right now. If you're writing it down, it might be helpful. Number one, uh, it is the gifts of knowing, the gifts of revelation, the gifts of revelation. And what are these gifts of revelation? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discernment of spirit. Mm. These are the gifts of revelation or the gifts of knowing. And I will explain that in a moment. Then there is the gifts of power. Like, for example, faith, uh, healings, gifts of healings. That's Mm -hmm. actually how it's written like that plural in Greek. And working of miracles. Okay. Uh, so these are the gifts of power, the demonstrational power. And the last uh, category, the third, is the gifts, the vocal gifts of the speaking gifts. And the speaking gifts, as you could have guessed it, tongues, interpreters of tongues, and prophecy. Now, mm-hmm. that one there, some put it in the gifts of knowing, gifts of revelation. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I will explain uh, further why uh, you know, it is in this category of the gift of speaking. Okay, so given that it, you know the time we have, and we've started this introductory material on these gifts, let me start by establishing a couple of things that I'm going to leave you with as thoughts about the gifts of revelation. So, where the where the wisdom, where the knowledge and discernment of spirits. I'm just I'm not going to explain the gifts themselves. I just want to give some introductory notes. And when we together again next Sunday, I will take each gift. With after definition and biblical examples and practical ways that operates today, Mm -hmm. and so so we can we can therefore do that kind of stuff. Sounds good. Right now, why are these three first called gifts of knowing the gifts of revelation? The word revelation is the word apocalypse. For example, you get get the word uh, apocalypse from Uh, to reveal something uh, is to uncover something that one did not know, okay? So, for example, there is a curtain here and there is something behind the curtain and the curtain gets opened and then you, who are this side of the curtain, you get to see what was behind that curtain. So, that has been revealed to you. Mm. Revelation presupposes already existing knowledge, I'll say that again. Revelation supposes or presupposes existing knowledge that the person to whom it's been revealed has just been given or granted access. Okay. You see what I mean there? Eh? Yeah. I can give a few examples as we're finishing off. Uh for example, when you, you know, these days we've got passwords. Everywhere, password, password. When you're typing password in your banking and stuff like that, it comes with dot dot dot, you know, the, the little stars. Basically, the password is covered, mm. so that somebody who might be standing by your shoulder can't see what you're typing. It's covered now. On some computers, there's a little eye that says you want to see your password, so you can click on there, and the letters that you are typed or whatever numbers then stands out, so the persons behind you can see. Now you typing, you know your password. Yes, but anyone else does not know it until you reveal it to them. Mm-hmm. You uncover it to them, so you have that knowledge, and it pleases you to give that knowledge to someone else, then you've revealed your password to them. For example, when you meet somebody new, you know your name. Someone else knows your name, but the person you've just met does not know your name, does not know your database, so you get to reveal that information. So revelation presupposes an existing knowledge that... One is uncovering for someone else to have access to. So in that sense, the gifts of revelation presupposes God granting us access to a set of knowledge that he already has that we don't have access to. The Holy Spirit knows about this, and I don't know it. And he uncovers that to me. He says, hey, here's the curtain opened. Look in there. This is the piece of information that I want you to know about this situation or that person or and so on and so forth. And I'll give you tons of biblical examples on how the Spirit of God does that. So remember uh, that the gifts of where the wisdom, the gifts of where the knowledge, and discernment of spirits are the gifts of revelation. God by his mercy and grace grants us the access to his knowledge on a particular matter so that by knowing that we may either number one, speak to the person that we talking to, so that they may know. Uh, it may reveal to them then further on the love of God for them, or it may lead them to make some decisions that may be helpful or that will be helpful in the direction of the King of the Lord. And so whether it is whether wisdom, whether knowledge and discernment of spirits, this is the very uh, you know, core of what these gifts of revelations are. And so, having said that, you can therefore see that being able to pursue the gift of revelation is to be able to inquire with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, to inquire with the Holy Spirit to for Him to reveal to us that which He already knows so that then we can manifest All right? Yeah. We can manifest that knowledge to the person we are serving, communicating in the way Christ did it. I I can sort of, many times people come to Jesus and want to trap him. And the Bible says, Him knowing what they were thinking. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Or what their plans were. Now mm-hmm. think about we human beings, unless you say Jesus had some inference to the best explanation, you know, try try this, this. But in reality, Jesus, you can either go he was God, therefore he had access to the knowledge of what people thought. He knew the intention of their heart. Uh in that same way, uh he had the access to a piece of you know, knowledge that everybody is doing. Most of his disciples actually got surprised when he told them, well, why are you thinking to yourself this? <laughs> right, but I mean, he was operating in the Holy Spirit. That's exactly as, right.
0: as well. So he was yeah. modelling how they were going to live later on.
2: That's exactly yeah. right. So if you are, you are with me to say Jesus did everything he did by the Spirit of God, mm. John, uh, Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went and did you know, miracles and, and setting free those who were captive. Remember when he comes back from the wilderness, said, "The Spirit of God is upon me; he's anointed me." And so you have the work of Christ being done by the Spirit of God. So I'll give tons and tons of examples. But here's my finishing touch. Pursue the gifts. Seek God because he has access to his all-knowing knowledge, knowledge, if I can repeat myself. And he's willing to give us the revelation of that in relation to being able to serve his people.
0: Well, this isn't Fantastic series that we're going to go into. And uh, for those of you that are going to follow it, uh, we would recommend that you read that introduction to Corinthians, yes. as many bits that you can find. Get yourself a little bit of background and uh, we'll come back next week and we will um, Samuel will explain and expand on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you want to join us tonight, we, uh, we are live streaming at five at Ark Church and we are also in the house. So if you want to come, we are the uh, little Christian chapel that's opposite Woolies in Golden Square. We'll catch you all next week.